Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're going through everything that you need to know before the Buffs play their first game tomorrow. Um, I know that some people have been kind of like intermittent in the way that they've paid attention to the Buffs during this, what are we at now? I guess, no, we're officially at an 11-month offseason for Buffs football. Uh, So it's understandable. We're going to kind of run through what to expect from Colorado, what to expect from UCLA, go through like a bunch of the position battles, that kind of stuff, and uh, just get ready for game day, which is now 21 hours away. Uh, and I'm really excited. Um, before we get into that, though, I do want to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental Group. Green Mountain Dental is the place to go for all of your dental needs They really do a great job. Their reviews are incredible. Um, A couple people from DNVR have gone out there, and they've said that they've been incredible. And uh, you can feel good supporting them because it's a family-owned dentistry. Uh, They're huge Colorado sports fans. Um, They're a partner of ours at DNVR. Uh, And the best part is that if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam from Green Mountain Dental Group, you can get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure you take advantage of that deal. You really can't beat it. And uh, yeah, Green Mountain Dental Group, the place to go for your teeth needs. Okay, um, actually before we talk about the football game a little bit, I should say that tomorrow night, Saturday night after the Buffs game, uh, I'll be talking with Ryan Konigsberg about this game. Um, you'll, you guys will be able to watch that live on Twitter from either the DNVR Sports or DNVR Buffs uh, Twitter account. I'm not really sure which one will pick, hopefully, DNVR Sports. I feel like you can get more views. Except that all the Buffs fans followed Buffs. I don't know. Those aren't my decisions to make. Um, I just have to show up knowing what I'm talking about. Um, or uh, we really suggest that you go to YouTube because it's just like a much better experience. Um, so, yeah, if you just go to the DNVR YouTube page um, pretty quickly after the game, um, we're going to have our reactions, some quick analysis. We'll have uh, live look-ins to the uh, media availability here from Carl Durrell. And I think I think four of the players is the plan. Um, so yeah, it should be a good time. We'll be hanging out. Hopefully the Buffs win and it's a nice, happy place. Uh, and this is something that you guys can expect uh, every Saturday after Buffs games for this season. Um, you know, we decided not to go to any of the games. I turned down the credential uh, so that we could do something like this. And uh, 
I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, if you guys can't make it or you're too busy celebrating to pay attention, then you can, of course, catch that entire show in the audio version in the same podcast feed, wherever you hear this, um, iTunes or Spotify or Pocket Casts, Stitcher. I think those are all the ones I can name. Um, and that's also cool, too. Uh, but, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Be pretty interactive. Uh, hear from Carl. Hear from the guys. And uh, I can't believe we're this close. It's incredible. Actually, 24 hours from right now, it should be about this time that we're starting, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, football, though. Uh, let's just dig in. Uh, the Buffs quarterback is Sam Neuer. That's something we didn't know would be the case up until about a week ago when Carl Durrell made the announcement last Friday. And uh, mixed reactions. I think a lot of people want to see Brendan Lewis, but pretty early in camp, I think maybe even the first week of camp, we heard that he was mostly working with the third team while Sam Neuer, Tyler Lytle were splitting reps at the first team. And it became pretty clear what was going to go on. It was going to be Sam or Tyler. Um, it will be Sam getting the first try. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Tyler Lytle. Um, talking to Darren Cheverini, talking to Carl Durrell, we've heard both of them say that they want to get Tyler some snaps too. There was a close quarterback competition and that they want to just see what he has if they have a chance to do that. Obviously, like if it's a tight game and Sam looks legit, then he's going to be out there. Um, but something to pay attention to. I should also say, as, as awful as this is, um, UCLA reported a positive COVID test today, um, actually in the last hour or so. Shouldn't be a threat to the game, but that's going on. You know, Cal's game got canceled because of one COVID test, and so it, it is kind of scary at this point. Um, but they had their own different separate set of rules that applied to them. UCLA should be fine, should still be getting the game, according to Kyle Bonagura of ESPN. Um, back to Sam, though. We heard from Darren Cheverini uh, that uh, Sam has a good arm, that he can make the throws. Um, and that he's a very good athlete, which isn't a huge surprise given that he played safety last year. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they manage him in terms of the game plan. How, how, how often are they trying on deep shots down the field? Is it worth it just to see if you can hit one to Daniel Arias? and really open the game up, make this secondary sit back. And, and it's not a secondary that likes to sit back, or at least it's not supposed to be this year now that they've added that second um, defense. They're still like the base 3-4, but now they have this new 4-2-5 package, basically a nickel package, but oh, there are some quirks to it. Um, and the plan with that is to, to be aggressive. To, to send guys into the backfield from a bunch of different directions, to pressure receivers outside, to get up on guys and try not to let them get into their routes. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it's going to be a test for the receivers getting open too. Um, even though they do have a talent advantage, 
UCLA is going to want to be physical with him. You know, with with a guy like Daniel Arias, you wouldn't expect that to be too much of a problem because he's, what, 6'4 and 210 pounds or whatever and fast. So he should be fine. But again, we just haven't seen him play all that much. We don't know what to expect from Daniel Arias. Um, Is he just a pure deep threat? Is he somebody who you're just sending down the sideline every single play and the couple of times that they don't cover him you lob one up and see if he can go get it. Or if you see single coverage, you lob one up and go get it. You know, that's kind of the Will Fuller approach. It's just sending him downfield every single time. Or maybe he can be a little bit more dynamic. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be somebody who are trying to get the ball to on a bunch of like little bubble screens and let him work in space. Um, especially when the other receivers are likely going to be Dimitri Stanley and Katie Nixon on any given play. Um, and, if you know you have one ball carrier and two blockers out of those three, I want Daniel Arias to be one of the blockers. Um, but also, I'm excited to see what Daniel looks like in terms of his ability to to run routes. You know, how complex is the route tree that, that he is capable of running? You know, is he just running downfield, posts and streaks, sevens and nines? Like, that could be. And And I think that even if that's the case... He can provide real value to this offense just because of that size-speed combination. But if he does have a little bit more, if, if he can get some separation across the middle of the field, um, can, can wiggle past some defenders, that's when you could start to see him become a, a real force to be reckoned with in the Pac-12. And, and based on what we've heard, everybody has great things to say. You know, Katie Nixon actually called him dk metcalf jr a couple of months ago or no about a month ago and you really can't get higher praise than that if you're somebody who fits daniel's body type uh so that's really exciting um but yeah just in terms of what he brings to the table size and speed that's what you know for sure um it it used to be Every single day after practice, he was the last one on the field, um, working with the jugs machine, just catching balls, working on his hands. Um, I'm assuming that's still the case, but we don't go to Boulder. The reporters don't go to Boulder anymore because of COVID. Everything's all virtual. Um, So I don't know who the last one on the field is. Um, But what we do know about Daniel is is that he has the skill set that he has, the size, the speed, and then also he spent a lot of time working on his hands. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because it's not like he's Brendan Rice, who I think we'll also see at least some of this week. Um, he, he was listed as Daniel's backup on the depth chart. They had three starting receivers, then obviously each one has a backup. Uh, he's Daniel's. Um, that could mean he's the number four receiver. It could mean he's the number six receiver. Who knows? Um, but with Vontae Chenault not playing this week because of the suspension for the DUI, that really does open the door for Brendan to get some touches. Um, the thing about Brendan, though, is we know he has all the physical tools, but he's a freshman. Whereas a guy like Daniel has been in the program for a few years, has has had a chance to refine the more technical aspects of his game. You know, whether he's somebody who you expect to get open on a bunch of digs and double moves and that kind of stuff, we don't know. But what we do know is he spent at least 
three years now working on it, and and that's a good sign at the very least. Um, a guy like Brendan, he might just be a straight downfield guy, or, or even a guy who you want to get the ball in his hands and let him work. That's something that they did for him in high school. I, I don't know, though. You know, if, if he gets the ball, he can certainly run behind his shoulder pads. He is a big guy. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like on a, a Division One field, though. Power 5 field against Power 5 opponents. That's different than Arizona high school football. Um, the receivers as, as a whole are going to be a lot of fun. You know, and I, I did just realize when we were talking to Chev a couple days ago, he said... People aren't writing about KD enough. They aren't talking about KD enough. Um, and I think we've spent so much time over the course of the summer and the spring talking about KD and all of the different things that he can bring to a team that now that we're here and we're getting reports of other guys, he has been a little bit less of a storyline than we've expected. But this is a big year for him. This is a huge year for him. You know, he, he was basically told by scouts um, that he wasn't an NFL player right now. And there are a bunch of reasons for that. You know, you, you wish he was bigger. You wish he was just a little bit faster. You wish that the routes were just a little more refined. You know, he, he dropped a couple of passes. Um, and, and more than anything, you know, you, you just want the overall numbers to come up because the numbers, I think they might have actually gone down last year for KD. But you know that he's capable of solving all of those problems and and honestly i might bet on him to do any given one of them um with kde it all kind of starts with the energy and i think that that is going to be even more important um this season when there are no fans you know there's i think 24 media members i think there's four total photographers uh, and I think like it's 900 and something parents, friends, and family that are allowed in. Outside of that, it's the two football teams. And that's a strange environment. Uh, Carl Durrell said yesterday that they, this, the last two scrimmages, of their, the last two of their three scrimmages, they used the ambient noise that they're going to be playing during games. He said that it was pretty quiet. You barely even noticed it. Um, so that's going to be tough. Having somebody like KD who can fire everybody up, I mean, that is going to be very important. You know, to me, that's almost like the first play of the game. Can KD get everybody out of the tunnel and hyped, ready to go with more energy than UCLA has? I really think that in this game tomorrow, one of the teams is going to come out much, much more lively than the other team. And I think that that's going to be worth the, the first touchdown of the game is whoever is just ready to play under those circumstances. And KD is somebody who you look at and say, this is why we think it's going to be us. Um, and so that's where things start with KD. But from there, you know, you can get him the ball and let him work. You can let him run routes downfield and get open and get him the ball there. You know, you, you hope that there aren't any drops. Last year, first possession of the uh, the game against UCLA, he had a big drop, would have converted the first down on second down, and it said it was a three and out. Uh, next drive was a three and out. Next drive was a three and out. It makes you wonder, how does that game go if he just holds on to that ball? You know, when you are the number one receiver, now that Tony Brown is gone, now that Visca's gone, there just isn't much room for mistakes. 
And I think in a lot of ways, that's going to be good for Katie. You know, this offense, he, he doesn't need to put it on his back necessarily, but he needs to do quite a bit of heavy lifting as if this offense is going to be successful. And, and I think that he's somebody who can thrive under those circumstances needs to do it though. Really needs to do it. Um, yeah. Dimitri Stanley, the other receiver excited to see what he looks like as a redshirt freshman last year. He started I think he might have started every game. No, he wouldn't have. They, I think, I think they listed KD as the starter in front of him in the slot in games where Visco was healthy, with Tony Brown being the other starter, if I remember correctly. But he was a very big part of the offense, and that's tough to do when you're that young, um, especially when you play in the slot. And you know, it isn't a situation like Brendan Rice where. He is fast. He is big. You have him run down the field, throw something up to him. That's a valuable piece of the offense. You're making the defense respect the deep threat, which is something that Carl Durrell said yesterday uh, that I liked. Um, they want to they wanna force defenses to defend horizontally. They want to force them to defend vertically. They want them to have to defend every single spot on the field. And you need to have a quarterback who can make every throw on the field. And we don't know for sure that Sam's that guy, you know, he, he may struggle getting the ball into tight windows. He might not have that arm strength. He might not have the arm strength to get the ball to the sideline. He might have not have the accuracy to be taking those shots more than 10, 15 yards downfield between the numbers. We just don't know, but we do know that that's something that Carl seems to value. And so it would make you think that Sam can do those things. Um, but with Dimitri, like I was saying, he isn't just somebody who gets to run straight ahead and then go up and catch the ball because that's easy stuff to do. That That's stuff that's very similar to what you did in high school. Now, obviously the competition's tougher and there's all that stuff. Most freshmen need to come in and gain weight and all whatever, but Dimitri Stanley working out of the slot, you need to be more refined. And I think that there's plenty of room for him to grow. I'm pretty sure he... What was it? I think he ran 306 out of 309 routes out of the slot last year. That's a whole lot of work. That's a whole lot of reps. And it's good for him. Those numbers can't be right. Maybe it was 106 and 109. Now I'm starting to question myself. It was it was something with a 6 and a 9. I know that there were only three routes that were, weren't from the slot. So that's what really matters, I guess. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it um, because if he was able to add just a little bit more, you know, and a lot of you guys are Broncos fans. We've been watching a lot of Jerry Judy this season. He has the, the, the timing, the, the movement, just that kind of combination to know how to set guys up and then cut back in behind him. <sighs> Want to see more of that from Dimitri. Want to see him catch the ball in situations where he can keep running with it. Now, obviously, some of that's the quarterback putting the ball on the money, but not just getting enough space to make the catch, but getting enough space to get the catch and run. Um, Now, I think he's capable of it. You know, he does a lot of things. He can stretch the seam. That's so huge, keeping a defense honest, especially if Sam turns out to be somebody who prefers to throw the ball downfield, which I wouldn't be too surprised about, you know, if... 
we look at this offense and 60% of the time they're running the ball, 40% of the time um, they're passing the ball, and of that 40%, maybe 10%, 15% is screen passes, you know, 10% is the downfield shots, and, you know, then you have that other 15, 20% to work with. Um, I don't know. We just don't know how it's going to be structured. We just know that this is Curtis, or not not Curtis Cheverini, uh, who's Darren Cheverini's son, who's now a, a student assistant coach. Um, but we know that this is Darren Cheverini's offense. You know, this is what he thinks it should be. And we saw bits and pieces a couple of years ago when he was co-offensive coordinator. You know, he was in charge of the passing game. But we're going to find out what he looks like in terms of his scheme. And, and it's really wide open. Because obviously, you know, right now there's Carl Durrell in his ear with a whole bunch of ideas. Um, you know, Carl comes from a lot of, of a massive West Coast background. I'm pretty sure everywhere he's gone has been West Coast offenses. But then you also have the fact that Darren coached at Texas Tech, ran the air raid. And so you're going to see a whole bunch of different things mixed together, uh, which is, I think, ideal. Like, that's what most offenses are in 2020. Most good offenses, at least. It isn't just strictly one identity. It's kind of uh, blending a bunch of different pieces together. And we'll see whether what Darren came up with will work. Um, But just don't know a whole lot about what it'll look like. Um... Other receivers, you know, I think Jalen Jackson could get some run. Uh, he's listed as the number two slot receiver behind uh, Dimitri. Be great to see him get some run just because, honestly, mostly curiosity. What does he look like now? We know he can fly. Has he refined the route running just a little bit so he can get open too? I don't know. Maurice Bell, to me, he's the biggest unknown, you know, Daniel Arias could could be right there too just because we haven't seen too much of him but we do know that he's expected to be a big piece of this offense you know you you look through any of the season previews and he's chosen as the breakout star for the buffs and those aren't just like some writers opinions those guys make calls and and figure out what's going on they do real reporting so it's it's easy to trust um but with Maurice Bell what what is his game? Is he somebody who wants to go up and get the ball? Is he somebody who can get open, find spaces and zones? Like we just don't know. Um, but I'm excited to see. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably the receiver rotation that's going up against a pretty depleted secondary. You know, you can talk yourself into the safeties for UCLA, but the cornerbacks are weak. I have potentially the the worst group of cornerbacks in the conference. And we'll see what they look like tomorrow. That's what matters. It doesn't really matter what you see on paper with the like three combined starts or whatever it is. But that in theory, if you have like a totally balanced offensive football team, you're equally confident doing anything. You, you look at this UCLA team and say, we're beating them up, passing the ball to the sidelines. We're going to pick on those corners all game, force the defense to help them, and then take advantage of whatever's open from there. Um, 
I think the Buffs have a group of receivers that are capable. I, I, I'm confident that they do. You know, the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is, does it turn out to be that Brendan Rice right away is a star and he needs to be on the field almost every snap? Or same thing, like Maurice Bell has taken the step and you need to get him on the field. Like maybe we don't know exactly what these combinations look like at this point before the season starts, but we know that some combination of the 10 receivers that if you're a Buffs fan, you should just be in love with at this point. Some combination of those 10 is going to work out. Um, the quarterback is kind of the question. Can he take advantage of that secondary? And I, I wrote about this at thedmvr.com, um, but I think that one of the most important parts of this game to me is going to be getting Sam going. You know, I think it's really easy to say your strength is in the offensive line. You have an extremely uh, experienced offensive line. You have uh, a at least one player who you look at and say he's going to the NFL. You know, whether he sticks, whether he's a camp body, or, or whether he winds up playing himself into being a day two, even day, day one would be tough, but day two draft pick, William Sherman is that kind of guy. Um, Colby Purcell, the center, has gotten rave reviews. Um, you look through that offensive line and you have to like what you see. You just have to, especially because there is so much depth. Um, even if there was a position that wasn't decided until just a couple of weeks ago, you know that there were four or five guys who were capable of filling that last spot on the line, and so you have to be pretty happy with what's going to happen. But so you see that. You see the running backs, and Alex Fontenot won't be playing tomorrow. That sucks. I hate it. He's one of my favorite players to talk to on the team. Um, I think I've said this on here before, but last year I asked him, like, uh, what are you excited about? It was before the season. I said, what are you excited about for this season? Remember, this is Alex Fontenot, who we've seen very little of on a college football field, finally becoming a, a, a starter for a Power 5 school. Ask him what he's excited about. He said traveling. And so then I, I guess I catch up with him after every trip, but but quite a few of them, you know, he's he's talking about going down to Arizona. They got in and out. You know, they walked out, walked back to the hotel. Now, you don't get to do any of that stuff this year because of COVID, but just a great personality on that team. Just a pretty witty, you know, laid back, but you know that he's a smart guy. I don't know. You, you know, I, I really hate knowing that he isn't going to be able to play this season. Um, but it does open opportunities for other guys. You know, I am excited to see Jarek Broussard, um, who's really, I mean, this is, I think this is the one where I'm going to try to temper my expectations because he really hasn't had any, I mean, he hasn't had any time on the, on a college football field at all. He's had the two torn ACLs, all of that, you know, expecting him to come out and break two 20 yarders, you know, put up a pair of touchdowns. It's just not reasonable, but it's the one that I'm having the most trouble staying reasonable about just because of what we've been hearing about Jarek Broussard, um, that, that he is so dynamic, that he does have breakaway speed, um, that, that 
you know, Darren Cheverini called him the best high school zone runner that he's ever seen. You know, that's the kind of stuff that should get you excited because, you know, that's what Alex was so good at was, was finding the hole, waiting for it to develop. And then when it develops, get through it and shake off anybody who tries to bring you down. You know, that's the part that we don't know a whole lot about with Jarek. Is, is he somebody who maybe will get brought down a little bit easily because he is 5'9", 185? That could be. And and that's probably where I'm tempering my expectations. You know, I, I trust him as a home run threat. And I think that based on what we've heard, you got to get him the ball and give him opportunities. But... Even though, I mean, we've heard, you look at him and don't think he's strong, but that is a strong man. I can't remember which one of the coaches was saying, it might have been Darian Hagen who was saying that about him, but you got to pick something. You know, you can't just go into the season saying, I really think Jared Broussard has a chance to be one of the Pac-12's breakout stars. Um, Well, maybe you can. I don't know. It's been tough to temper those expectations. We'll see what he looks like. But I think that that combination um, with the other running backs, with um, Jaron Mangum, who I expect to, if if I had to guess, I'd say it's a 50-50 split, that those two will be sharing the touches uh, tomorrow. Uh, If you look at the depth chart, Joe Davis is listed as the number three. Um, You know, Darian Hagan has told us that he thinks that a three-back rotation is probably like the magic number for a competitive football game. Does that change though without Alex Fontenot? You know, without Alex Fontenot, do you just say we will leave it to the other two? And then Ashad Clayton too. You know, we we haven't forgotten about Ashad Clayton. He's just been banged up during camp. Um, has real potential. You know. He's somebody who should be going to the NFL, you know, just based on the pedigree, based on what we know about him, he should be a next level football player. And and Darren Cheverini told us this week that he has a next level gear. And, and we've also heard that he's a bowling ball type of back. He runs guys over. He's physical. He's strong. So you have that. You have his ability to break away from defenders according to i mean darren Cheverini said next level gear that means he has nfl top speed i want to see it i want to see it but again he was banged up during camp they'll probably work him in slowly maybe he's ready for a couple of touches maybe not we'll see we'll see um but joe davis was listed ahead of him on the depth chart and i don't think they're gonna go four deep I, that would really surprise me. Um, Joe Davis, another speedy guy. You know, this is a group of running backs that can make some plays. And not just, you know, for for as much as I love the way that Alex Fontenot runs the ball, he, he doesn't have that top-end speed. Or at least he hasn't shown much of that top-end speed, the ability to just run away from guys. What he's shown is the ability to not get brought down by arm tackles, to, to change angles on tacklers, make things hard for them, and of course, to find the hole and take advantage of it. Um, Jaron Mangum right now is probably the only guy who we don't know has that top-end ability to break plays. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how this whole backfield works out, but I really like 
the potential that it has. It's going to be a, a bit of a challenge this week, though. But I don't know. I mean, this I'm not I'm not in love with this UCLA defense. They have the Osa Odegizua, I think is his name. Um, that's a really good defensive lineman. That's an NFL defensive lineman. Um, 10 tackles for loss last year. Uh, f- a few sacks from a defensive tackle spot is tough to do. He's going to be right in the middle of that defensive line, and it's going to be tough to run up the middle. You know, you're asking a lot of this offensive line to to just totally neutralize him. Uh, I think that it's possible just because he doesn't have too much help. You know, it, it's not the, the rest of the defensive line isn't bad. The rest of the defensive line is pretty solid. But it doesn't really scare you the way Osa does, and then the linebackers behind him really don't scare you. I mean, honestly, maybe what scares you the most is that you don't have tape on him. That you know, you you can't tell Sam, hey, number twenty-two back there. If you get him in coverage, look at that matchup. That's a matchup that you should like. Just because, I mean, they they have probably five linebackers that could be one of their their two in that four two five. None of them have really seen the field. And I think that it's a situation where, you know, we talked about what does this ideal receiver rotation look like? Who makes the cut? Who doesn't make the cut? What do the combinations look like? Who do you want on the field together? That's kind of where UCLA is, I think, with a lot of the defense, but specifically with those linebackers. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at offensively. Um I'm going to take a quick break, tell you about Breckenridge Brewery before we get into this defense. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. They make so many good beers, the Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Vanilla Porter Jr. Um, And you can try, actually, I think you can try all of those um, at the DNVR bar. There are eight Breckenridge beers on tap. Really recommend you guys check them out because they are so good. It's a great way to spend a college football Saturday. Now we're back. Um, if if you want to go pick some up, you can use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever beer it is that you want to try. Uh, really convenient, really cool tool. Make sure you take advantage of it. Also, World Golf Tour. Uh, WGT is not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's also the official gaming partner of DNVR. It has become so popular that we've opened a third DNVR country club, and each country club holds 250 people. So, if you don't want to feel left out anymore, you can download WGT and join the DNVR 3 country club by going to dnvrgolf.com. We'll host weekly tournaments with awesome giveaways, so make sure you're signed up to win easy money and beautiful DNVR swag. Uh, WGT Golf is the most realistic free golf game loved by more than 20 million players around the world. Play WGT Golf in the comfort of your couch or anywhere on the go on an iPhone, tablet, um, desktop, browser, um, anywhere. Uh, You can play closest to the hole. You can play stroke play, match play, whatever. uh, At Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, Bandon Dunes, Wolf Creek, and a whole bunch more courses. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. If you go to dmvrgolf.com, you can download WGT Golf, and now is the time to do it because starting today and through Sunday, we're hosting the 
election open at Congressional. All the country clubs can participate, and better yet, anyone can win. That's right. All you have to do is join the DNVR3 Country Club if you haven't played. Head to Congressional Golf Course and enter in the closest to the whole challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pinned Twitter thread, DNVR Sports, or email them to info at thednvr.com. Once you've entered to win, we'll choose a random winner each week to pick out a DMVR shirt of their choice and mask, and we will ship it to you. Uh, we'll host a new course every week leading up to Christmas. Winners are picked every Monday. You've got nothing to lose, so download WGT today. If you haven't, join the DMVR3 Country Club, head to Congressional Golf Course, and hit some balls to get close to the pin. Enter your screenshot, and bam, you're in. Good luck. Okay. Uh, the Buffs defense. Um, oh, I, how did we go through that whole thing without talking about Brady Russell? We, I should say a couple of good things about Brady Russell first because uh, he deserves it. I didn't actually realize that he was a walk-on until I was going through all the notes for this game, uh, which is pretty crazy. The fact that he's played as much football as he has, given how, that he's only going into his junior season, that he was a walk-on to start. Um, I think that he is somebody who we know well, you know, as people who watch the buffs, um, we know his game, but I think that he is of all the people we feel like we know very well, somebody who can take a pretty massive step forward this year. You know, it's kind of on him to do it, of course, but you could see how there will be more opportunities for him as a receiver. Um, you know, an ability for him to get into routes more often and block less, um, be less of a check down option and be more involved in the actual play design. You know, that's something that we've heard from him about what's changed for the tight ends this year. Um, and, and I think just pure opportunities have gotten better for the tight end position, in this offense. And that's reason alone to expect more from Brady Russell this season. On top of that, you have the fact that he's only going to his junior year. You expect some physical development. Whether he's coming back stronger, whether he's coming back faster, you don't really know. But I do expect more added to his game. You know, the, the blocking side of things, the lead blocking side of things, he's really good there. What I'd like to see is him become more of a threat as a receiver. Um be more than just a little safety blanket, but somebody who can get downfield and make some plays with Taylor Embry as the tight ends coach. Now that is very possible. You know, Taylor worked with George Kittle the last couple of years. He seems to really know what he's talking about. Um, I'm excited to see what this time position looks like in Brady Russell in particular. Um, okay. Defense now. So uh, it all starts up front and, I think that there's good reason to believe that this defensive front will be better than last year. You know, first of all, they don't lose much. They lose Alex Changham, who is a was a valuable piece of this defense. But, you know, with the depth that the Buffs have, adding another year of experience should be able to make up for that loss pretty easily. Um on that defensive line, you have Mustafa Johnson, who, uh, you know, he's somebody who's still just a little bit more of an unknown now that I think about it. Just because he was banged up 
all of last season. You know, starting with the Air Force game, I guess, when he took the cut block to the ankle, knocked him out for a game or two, I think. And when he came back, you could tell that it was still bothering him. You know, he still put up decent numbers, but I do think that there's another gear that he can get to. And I think that Chris Wilson, the new defensive line coach, can help him get there. Um, Chris Wilson, who we know as um, one of the better defensive line coaches around, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles a couple years ago, um, has had a whole bunch of NFL jobs working with the best of the best, and has had a bunch of pretty high-profile college jobs too, you know. Um, he was at Colorado during the Matt McChesney, Justin Bannon years, um, coached Oklahoma's defensive line for a bit. You know, there's a lot to like about Chris. And what I like most is that they're switching to the one gap technique, um, which basically means everybody in the front seven is responsible for a gap. Could be between the guard and the center. It could be... Um, outside of the tackle on the edge everybody has their gap that's their responsibility and basically you just try to beat the offensive player through it so if you're mustafa johnson every play you're trying to get past the guys in front of you get in the backfield and create havoc which is something that was missing last year and that's part of the reason why they decided to make the change Um, because they struggled so much getting into the backfield on first and second down, you know, stopping runners behind the line of scrimmage, generating a pass rush when you weren't using some sort of exotic front on third down. Uh, We'll see how it goes. But with the talent that the Buffs have, you should expect to see some pressure. The question is just how much. You know, if, if that group is what I think it's capable of being, that's going to be scary for a lot of offenses. You know, that's, that's how you get teams moving backward that like if, if you want to hold somebody under 10 points you need a pass rush you need to be able to get in the backfield and I think that for the buffs to be really successful this year they're going to need that kind of defense um but it's not just Mustafa you know you have Jalen Sami right there who I thought grew a lot throughout his first year um playing um after having some injuries in his first couple years in Boulder um he was only a redshirt freshman last year, which is crazy because I guess I'm not sure how old he is, but I'm pretty sure he's he might be 22, 21 now. 21 or 22 now, I think. But uh, I'm excited to see what Jalen is. Um, and at 325 pounds, you know that he's going to command a double team in the run game, and that's a good place to start. You know, if you can just have some big dude on the defensive line playing nose tackle who can do that, that's a great start. You know, again, you look at the Broncos. Domata Pecco, back when that defense was something special, Domata was just right there clogging everything up. You know, clogging things up isn't necessarily what that defensive line is doing now because of that switch to the one tech or one gap technique, but it can't hurt. Um, excited to see him. Excited to see Terrence Lang, too. Um, I think that he kind of gets forgotten when you look through all the pieces on this defense. Um, but he's a very dynamic player as well. Um, and they're going up against a really weak offensive line. I'm, I'm pretty sure they only have one full-time starter returning. I think that everybody else has like two or three career starts. It's not a great group of offensive linemen. You know, I think that it is potentially the worst group of offensive linemen in the Pac-12. That's how you want to start a season if you're Mustafa Johnson. Get out there, get yourself a pair of sacks, get yourself a couple tackles for loss, 
and I don't think it's all that crazy to set the bar at, you know, one and a half sacks. You know, get to two and that's a good game. You get your one and you kind of check the box. You did what you're supposed to do. Um, there are going to be opportunities for these defensive players to make plays, uh, especially given the running back situation for UCLA too. Um, Josh Kelly is gone. He's in the NFL with the Chargers now. Demetric Felton is looking like he's going to be the starting running back. I mean, he's listed as the starting running back on their depth chart. Not really a downhill runner, though. Not somebody who who has great vision in between the tackles. Um, they added a grad transfer. I can't remember where he came from. He's listed as the number two. Kind of just have to see what they have there. Um, what could really hurt this defensive line's ability to put up some numbers, though, is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback for UCLA. He is so dynamic. He He has, like almost like those magician-like qualities where the pocket just caves in around him, and then all of a sudden it's like, bang, he's outside the pocket, nobody near him. You know, he can do... We've we've heard the word escapability a lot this week, which I honestly don't think is a very good word, but it's what coaches say, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson definitely has it. Um, So maybe that's going to be the problem more than anything. And I don't know what the bus will try to do. I, I would like to send pressure if I were the defensive coordinator. I, I'd send blitzers from different angles. I, I'd try to make things hard on him, um, make him spend the first second of the play, second and a half of the play, trying to figure out what is even going on in front of him, where are the players coming from, where is the coverage, what is the coverage, um, and just changing looks on him constantly while also emphasizing getting as many guys as possible into the backfield um, and not letting him get out. You know, the other option is to say, we're rushing three, we're rushing four, we're going to tell our edges to contain, um, we're not going to spend too much time trying to put him on the ground, and we're going to have a spy who mirrors him on the defensive side. You know, I, I think that, I mean, honestly, you got to mix things up a little bit is probably the right answer. But I'd like to see them send a bunch of pressure at him, make things hard. And even though that puts kind of a young secondary on an island, each one of them back there, I think at times you got to do it, especially because this isn't a great group of receivers either. Uh, There aren't many guys that are that dynamic. You know, none of them scare me. And, And I think that there's a decent chance that they have maybe their own version of Daniel Arias, maybe not quite to that level, but uh, some unknown receiver who is just ready to take a big step. You know, the buffs tend to have a lot of those guys. Maybe UCLA has one. And and if tomorrow we, the post game, we're talking about somebody who had eight catches for 130 yards and a touchdown, two touchdowns, that could be the way things go. But at this point in the season, there just isn't anybody who scares me. There just isn't. Um, so, yeah, even though you are starting a true freshman in Christian Gonzalez back there, um, I, I think you, you let these guys go one-on-one occasionally. You know, have, throw a safety over top if you want, but a lot of the time, send the pressure, make those guys get open. Um 
you know, with the rest of the pass rush, the outside linebackers are probably the weakest group on the roster. Um, a lot of good young talent coming. You know, you can talk yourself into Carson Wells for sure. He's back bigger, faster, and stronger, all of that. Um, he's, a, he's a junior now, which means it's kind of time for him to actually be on the field. He was kind of forced out there the last couple of years. Um, looked better as a freshman than he did as a sophomore, but kind of a question mark what he's going to look like this year. Uh, Guy Thomas, the transfer from, uh, Nebra- or I guess Nebraska to junior college to Colorado, um, he's going to be on the other side, and he's he's talented. He's another big, strong guy. Um, Brian Michalowski said that they have the outside linebackers coach said that they have pretty high expectations for him. We'll see what he can bring. Um, Jamar Montgomery, probably the third guy rotating in. Um, I don't know. Uh, inside linebackers, obviously you have Nate Landman. You have Akil Jones next to him. I think they started like eight games together last year. Uh, and I think that, you know, Nate has limitations. Um, there are a lot of things that he does really well. And I, actually on a college football field, there aren't many guys that you'd rather have. When you look at him in terms of like an NFL prospect, you want to see a little bit more athleticism, a little more range. Um, and, and it's not even that he's slow. It's almost just like a feel thing, just getting used to spending time in coverage. You know, he has the rugby background. He was born in Zimbabwe. His dad was a professional rugby player there. He grew up playing rugby. And, you know, in rugby, you don't defend the forward pass. And I think that for... Nate, it's it's shown in the last two years. Um, the standards are very high for him. You know, if if he is exactly who he was last year, he's still probably the best player on this football team. He's capable of more though, and if and if he's going to move up and be you know second third round draft pick, he's going to have to show more in coverage. Um, he's going to have to make a couple more plays back there. Uh, and I think he's capable. I think that he's even said that things feel like they've slowed down even more for him, um, that he is really comfortable calling the defense, making all the checks, getting everybody into the right position, and that that frees him up and makes it easier for him to do his job. Um, need to see it on the field, though. And I guess this will be a, a kind of tough start with Demetric Felton at running back on the other side. There will be times when that's, Nate's responsibility. We'll see how it goes. Um, the tight ends for UCLA aren't what they were last year. Obviously, uh, Devin Asiasi now with the Patriots is the big name there, but their number two tight end is gone now too. Um, so I don't know. Then Akil, um, he's a solid linebacker. Can he start making some plays? You know, can he get into the backfield, get you a couple tackles for loss? Or, or maybe he does wind up being more of a pass defender. Um, maybe that's where he's grown. Um, but right now, it's kind of... He's, he's one of the guys who you look at and say he does his job. And, and that's what he does. If he could give you more plus plays, though, that's when you get really excited. Um, and then the secondary. Uh, Darian Rakestraw is kind of the key to, to it all. That's what it sounds like so far that, you know, the the easiest way to 
show his value is just in what he does before the snap, making sure all these young cornerbacks and safeties are in the right spot, um, making sure that they're playing the right defense. You know, he's in charge of making all of the checks back there, saying here's what I see, and so we're defending it like this. Um, So that's really where everything starts. Um, he got a lot of credit from the coaches. I think Tyson Summers in particular for the way he played late in the season with that kind of being one of the keys in Tyson's mind as to why the defense did take the big step forward that it took at the end of last season. Um, so starts there. You have Chris Miller back there too, the strong safety spot. And, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. You know, he, he isn't big enough in my mind to play that position or no, it's Mark Perry back there. Chris Miller is now at the star. Uh, so Mark Perry back there, certainly big enough. Um, wow. The, he has an incredibly high ceiling. Um, he showed flashes last year. Uh, the, the few times he was on the field, um, they grew, I guess there were more of them late in the season, but it just seemed like he was always making a play. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, he was playing the star position last year, that hybrid linebacker slot corner, whatever you want to call it, um, position. And it seems like he was at his best whenever they would just let him go forward, you know, just, just blitz him off the edge, go get the quarterback. And he, he made some plays in coverage as well. Um, now the majority of his job is going to be in coverage. And I do think that he certainly needs to grow. Um, Not that he was bad, but just knowing the tools that he has, he should be stepping up. And then he should be a very solid run defender as well, um, as he was last year. Uh, With Chris Miller, though, at the star position, honestly a little bit undersized there too. Um, And for a guy who's had injury troubles, that's tough um he has the attitude though um and he's going to be banking on that obviously as like the a cover guy in the slot you really like it um he should be able to stick with anybody you know in theory like if you're playing the buffs he's going up against dimitri stanley that's a skill set that fits really well up going up against slot corners what you want to see is what happens when he has to set the edge what happens when um, there's just a run play designed right at him? Does he get pushed around? Does he sometimes make a blocker miss and get by him, but other times get pushed around? Or is he just a very solid option? Um, I don't know, but that's the big question. And then outside with Christian Gonzalez, another just really young, exciting player. Chris Miller fits into that category as well. Um, but really just don't know anything about Christian. Um, we've been told about his speed. We've been told about the mentality, um, kind of being able to brush off some mistakes, uh, but still having like a, I mean, that I'm better than you attitude that cornerbacks have to have. Um, also the length. You know, I still think the thing that I come back to the most is, I think it was Tyson Summers who was talking about his closing speed. Um, balls in the air, he gets from where he is to where he needs to be in the last half second of the play very well. 
according to what we've heard out of camp. Again, we haven't gotten to really see him for ourselves, uh, not even like a, a, a scrimmage open to the public, but he's certainly somebody to keep an eye on tomorrow. Um, and there are a lot of reasons to be excited about it. Um, Mikai Blackman on the other side, uh, excited to see him hopefully knock on wood, play a full season as well. You know, there are a lot of guys that you like in the secondary, a lot of young guys that you should really like in the secondary. Um, it doesn't matter if you have that depth, if everybody's getting hurt though, I guess it does because you're not playing somebody who's bad, but you want them to be able to put all of that depth to use and I think that they're in a position, at least based on what we've heard, there haven't been any injuries or nobody really banged up. Um, so we'll see. Um, those are all my thoughts. Before we get out of here, uh, I do want to run through a couple of these other games. Um, that is uh, the DraftKings pick of the week. And let's just run through these Pac-12 games. Two of them already canceled. So that's too bad. Um, but the first one of the day is going to be Arizona State at USC. Arizona State plus 10.5 is incredible value. That is a really talented football team. Um, this matchup is going to be... Honestly, this is the matchup I'm most excited for in the Pac-12 this season. USC and Arizona State. I think that those are two teams with two really, really good young quarterbacks. Um, young quarterbacks who still haven't set ceilings for themselves. You know, you, you look at them and you could say that is a top five draft pick in the NFL. Um, and they're going head to head in the first week of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. USC obviously has like a bunch of weapons, a bunch of talent on defense. Um, but Arizona state sneaky does too. Um, really excited for that one. I like Arizona state plus 10 and a half. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Um, I mostly just want to hit these Pac-12 games. When is the next one? Um, oh, UCLA, Colorado, uh, Colorado plus six. That's good value. Um, I'm not sure if I'd take Colorado to win. I mean, it's just so hard when you don't know what to expect out of the quarterback. Um, but I do think that again, this isn't these these two teams are not that far apart. And if any, yeah, yeah, no, those teams aren't aren't that far apart. Um, so Colorado plus the points, good value. Um, and then Stanford, Oregon at 5:30. Um, Oregon minus nine, I like that. Uh, even though Stanford has like the gritty style of football, they want to run the clock on you, all those things. Um, and even though Oregon is replacing Justin Herbert after years of having him at quarterback, I just think that the talent for Oregon wins out. Um, I, uh, especially at Oregon minus nine is a lot of points for teams that you haven't seen, but I, I do think that that's pretty safe money with Oregon. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we'll talk again tomorrow after the game and I am really excited for that. Way.
My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey.